keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. It is Tuesday, January the 18th, 2022. Praise be to God. You know, the March for Life is coming up. And uh, it's going to be interesting this year to see what the impact is going to be. There are very strict mandate uh, laws in place in Washington, D.C. So it'll be interesting to see what the crowd looks like. They are still expecting a large crowd. That much I know. But we're going to discuss a little bit of that. Plus, we're going to ask the question, what does a post- Roe v. Wade world even look like with the president of 40 Days for Life, Sean Carney, who's going to join us at 35 past the hour. So stick around for that if you can. You know, there are some interesting stories in the news today that we're going to be covering. I saw this morning trending on Twitter, hashtag Biden worst president ever. It's trending on ha- on ha- uh, Twitter right now as a hashtag. That's, uh, that's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? I mean, golly, Jewish, here we are, one year anniversary And his poll numbers are incredibly dismal. But we're going to be looking at his pro-life record for the first year with Sean Carney as well. So, again, that's coming up. Edward Penton reported on Twitter yesterday, last night, that Cardinal Pietro Perlin and Archbishop Edgar Peñapara have both tested positive for COVID-19, according to Vatican sources, which have been confirmed. And Cardinal Perlin shows symptoms. And the Vatican Secretary of State and his deputy have both been uh, have had two vaccines and the booster shot, and they are still uh, testing positive. So let's pray for their for their health for sure, and for the Holy Father's health as well. All right, so there's a whole lot in the stories, but uh, good morning to Rudy Carlos. Good news, bad news for you. Good morning, Joe. I'm going to go with bad news. Bad news. Uh, the bad news is they're not enforcing the laws in Los Angeles. <laughs> the good news is train robberies are back. That's great. There's train robberies going go on in back. Los Angeles. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride into town. <laughs> did you see that story? Clean up the town. I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Union Pacific is is talking about not passing through Los Angeles anymore. Right. I mean, <laughs> bizarro world. Yep. I mean, it's like the wild wild west all over again. They're robbing trains in Los Angeles. Except there's no gold in California anymore. So... There's not gold on the train either. <laughs> but I mean, think about all those. Uh, are they gonna are they gonna suffer even more empty shelves? Are these trains going outbound or inbound? I mean, they have L.A. ports out there, so I suppose they're getting a lot of goods that way. It would be easy to track, though, right? I mean, you got to sell this stuff somewhere. Yeah, it's bizarre. Like rather than enforce law, they're just like, ah, forget it. And Union Pacific's like, oh, we're not even going to come then. We're just going to go somewhere else. Well, what's the good news? Uh, there's train robberies back. Oh. It's like it. the Wild Wild West all over again. <laughs> 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 you don't read that very often in the headlines. Train robberies are making a comeback. Speaking of comebacks, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. The back streets back all right? The, is, that, is that what we're doing? Oh Did boy. you just say something about the Backstreet Boys? <laughs> what was that? I said the back streets back all right. Can yeah. we get a womp womp? Yeah, exactly. Womp, 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 womp. No, yeah, I don't think y'all have that button. I think only there we, hey, there there we, we go. go. Yeah. Dave, did you get any feedback on your sweater, by the way? 
Yeah, I mean, no, no negative uh, comments on my sweater. I was surprised. I was uh, expecting the uh, the hammer to fall down on me, but no, praise be to God. Yeah, I refrained seems... from saying anything. Okay, I'm just well, there you go. <laughs> hey, at, at least at least now I know. You at need to have like a you need to have like a smoking pipe hanging out of your your mouth as you know with that do sweater I, on. Do you, I look like an old man? Like you, this? you look, like, look a, like you look like a very sophisticated intellectual, probably a professor. Man. You know, there we go. You there just, we go. You look very smart. For those and uh, watching or listening on the radio, uh, we're streaming online on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, as well as Odyssey. And we, uh, I asked everybody yesterday during the after show what they thought about my sweater. And so I was looking at feedback. Every, mostly everybody says it was good. And also, if you listen online, you uh, get to hear some uh, great music, inspiring music at the beginning before the show starts. Yeah, so, there's just guy. a. FYI for everybody F- listening on the radio. Y- hey, I've got great news uh, in the some follow-up stories in the What's Concerning Us section at 15 past the hour. So we're looking forward to that uh, follow-up to the story about Aztec pagan prayers in California schools. There's that story to talk about. The federal court uh, had made a, a decision on uh, the abortion ban in Texas. We're going to cover that story at 15 past and, uh, and some others. So stick around for that. But we're going to pray and dive into the show and uh, pray for your intentions, whatever your needs are, dear uh, listener. We're going to ask Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to pray for you today, you and your family. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Rudy Carlos here, and let's dive right into the news for today. The Blaze reports FBI backtracks now says Jewish community was targeted in synagogue hostage situation. The Federal Bureau of Investigation has changed its story and now says that Saturday's synagogue 11-hour hostage situation in Colleyville, Texas, was an intended targeting of the Jewish community. Following the incident, FBI Special Agent in Charge Matt DeSarno said, We do believe from our engagement with this subject that he was singularly focused on one issue, and it was not specifically related to the Jewish community. But we're continuing to work to find motive and will continue on the path. In terms of the resolution of the incident, the hostage taker is deceased. And Breitbart reports poll, 59% of Democrats favor favor government confining unvaccinated Americans to their homes. I'm sure they do. Reuters reports Britain says it's supplying anti-tank weapons to Ukraine. Britain said on Monday it began, it had begun supplying Ukraine with anti-tank weapons to help it defend itself from a potential invasion during a standoff with Russia, which has massed troops near the Ukrainian border. We have taken the decision to supply Ukraine with with light anti-armor defensive weapon systems, British Defense Secretary Ben Wallace said in Parliament, saying the first systems were already delivered on Monday and a small number of British personnel would provide training for a short period of time. Wallace said he had invited defense, Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu to visit London in the next few weeks to discuss the crisis, though he did not know whether the Russians would accept. The current gap is wide but not unbridgeable, Wallace said, voicing the hope that diplomacy would prevail and adding, it's President Val- Vladimir Putin's choice. And the Epic Times reports Epstein's associate Jelaine Maxwell stops fighting to keep names of John Doe secret. Jeffrey Epstein associate Jelaine Maxwell has ended her effort to keep the names of people linked to her civil civil case shielded from the public. Excuse me. 
After reviewing objections to the unsealing made by the John Doe's, Maxwell's lawyer Laura Menninger informed the U.S. District Judge Loretta Preska in a recent letter that Maxwell does not wish to further address these objections. The identities in question are parties connected to a civil lawsuit brought by Virginia Jufree, excuse me, I think I'm butchering that name, Jufree, against Maxwell in 2015, accusing her for facilitating the sexual abuse of Jufree and making defamatory statements about her. The suit was settled in 2017, but Jufree has been trying since then, along with the Miami Herald and other parties, to convince the court to unseal the identities of people named in filings with the case. And The Hill reports Democrats ponder Plan B strategy to circumvent voting rights filibuster. Senate Democrats are scrambling for a Plan B to pass voting rights legislation after Senators Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin announced last week they would not vote to change the Senate's filibuster rule despite the pleading of President Joe Biden. Now some Democrats are discussing a novel approach to circumventing a Republican filibuster that may allow voting rights legislation to pass with 51 votes without changing the Senate's rules. These Democrats, including Senators Tim Kaine, are exploring the possibility of forcing Senate Republicans to actually hold the floor with speeches and procedural motions. They hope that the Republican opposition may tire itself out after a few days or weeks and that Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer may be able then to call for a simple majority vote on final passage and skip the formal procedural vote known as cloture on ending debate. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Margaret. She was born to King Bela IV of Hungary and his wife Mary Laskaris at a time when the Tartars were invading Hungary. The king offered to dedicate their child to the church if Hungary was freed from the Tartars. It was, and so Margaret was brought to the Dominican convent at Vesperum at the age of three. Somewhat later, Bella and his queen built a convent for their daughter on an island in the, Dun- in the Danuba near Buda. And there, when she was 12 years old, she made her profession. When Margaret was 18, Otokar, king of Bohemia, sought her hand in marriage, even after he had seen her in her religious dress. A dispensation could easily have been arranged, and Bella was inclined to favor it for political reasons. But Margaret declared, I wished to serve him alone, to whom you have espoused me at my birth. As a child, I would not yield to your will in in opposition to God's claim on me. Do you think that I am likely to give in now that I am older and wiser? And now I am more capable of grasping the greatness of the divine grace that has been given me. Then my father stopped trying to turn me from my determination to remain a religious. I prefer the heavenly kingdom to that which has been offered me to, by the king of Bohemia. I'd rather die than obey these commands of yours that will bring death to my soul. Mark my words, if matters ever come to such a pass that I am driven to it, I will surely put an end to the whole affair by mutilating myself so that I shall never again be desirable to any man. The sacristan told how Margaret would coax her to leave the door of the choir open after Compline so that she might spend the night before the Blessed Sacrament. Intense was her prayer life and penances, spending most Fridays contemplating the sufferings of Christ, weeping constantly. No doubt, Margaret shortened her life by her austerities, and she's, during Lent, she would be exhausted by fasting and lack of sleep. Worn out by her efforts, she died on the 18th of January, 1270, at the age of only 28. Her cause began soon after, but there is contemporary evidence of her life, but she was not canonized until 1943 by Pope Pius XII. St. Margaret, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. 
As Jesus was passing through a field of grain on the Sabbath, his disciples began to make a path while picking the heads of grain. At this, the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions were hungry? How he went into the house of God when Abithar was high priest and ate the bread of offering that only the priest could lawfully eat and shared it with his companions? And then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is why the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Venerable Bede said, quote, But in a mystical sense, the disciples pass through the cornfields when the holy doctors look with the care of a pious solicitude upon those whom they have initiated in the faith and who, it is implied, are hungering for the best of all things, the salvation of men. But to pluck the ears of corn means to snatch men away from the eager desire of earthly things. And to rub with the hands is by examples of virtue to put from the purity of their minds the concupiscence of the flesh as men do husks. To eat the grains is when a man cleansed from the filth of vice by the mouths of preachers is incorporated amongst the members of the church. Close quote, Venerable Bede, pray for us. That's a pretty powerful little insight into the passage there. Um, but, you know, there's so much to say here about a typology and foreshadowing. David was a foreshadowing of something greater to come. That greater to come was Jesus, the real and true Messiah. David was a type of Messiah, though. He was anointed. He was a, a Meshach on some level. And it was his kingdom that would become the model that Jesus would employ in the church. And I've uh, given uh, talks on that very subject. I, if you're interested, let me know, and I'll send you the link. But look at the typologies here. He, David is king more than just the Israelites, of Gentiles too. He offers the sacrifice that only priests are allowed to offer. He wears the garments of priests in the Old Testament. He organizes the worship and the sacrifices at the temple. And of course, we see here that he also eats the bread, the bread of the very face of God, the bread of the presence, the showbread, which only priests could eat once a week. I mean, Brant Petrie's book, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist, is a beautiful book to look at, but in there he talks about how once a year they would bring out this showbread in front of all the men of Israel and hold it up and they would say, see, behold, God's love for you. So much typology going on in this passage. The Holy Eucharist being foreshadowed at the very hands of the apostles themselves through the Lord and Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when people set out to destroy the church? They don't destroy the church, but they manage to wreck everything else. G.K. Chesterton says men who begin to fight the church for the sake of freedom and humanity end up flinging away freedom and humanity if only they may fight the church. The secularists have not managed to destroy divine things, but they have destroyed secular things. Thanks to the war against the church, the world is a mess. We have more disorder, more distress, more discontent than ever before. 
And that's why we must defend the faith. By defending God's truth, we are defending all truth. By defending the church, we are saving the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org So you're driving to work while listening to Catholic Drive Time. But you're not just driving any car. You're driving a midnight black 2022 GLA 250. Make 2022 your year by supporting the GRN and possibly winning a GLA 250 by going to grnonline.com and buying five tickets for $100 or $25 for one. Raffle ends February 21st and you must be 18 or older to participate. Be to God. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, President of 40 Days for Life, Sean Carney, is going to be our guest to talk about the upcoming March for Life in Washington, D.C., what to expect, but also to have a conversation about the first year anniversary of the Biden administration from a pro-life perspective and what a post-Roe v. Wade world might look like, because there's a good chance that Roe v. Wade gets overturned by the Supreme Court. We're all waiting to find out, but we're going to have that conversation with Sean Carney at 35 past the hour. There are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure to some of you as well. And uh, today I've got a couple of updates from stories we've covered in the past, so praise be to God. And I think this is good news, to be honest with you. So here's a story out of the Catholic Vote. CatholicVote.org. The headline goes, California removes pagan incantations from school after parents sue. Praise be to Jesus Christ. The article goes, after a lawsuit on behalf of parents, the state of California has permanently removed a pagan incantation from a curriculum guide for public school districts. Quote, we reached a settlement with the state of California, and they will be permanently removing Aztec chants from the ethnic studies model curriculum and paying $100,000 towards our attorney fees, close quote, wrote attorney Paul Jonah, who serves as special counsel to the Thomas More Society. Going on to say, quote, we filed this lawsuit after we discovered that California's ethnic studies model curriculum, a resource guide for local school districts, included prayers to Aztec gods, the same deities that were invoked when the Aztecs worshipped with human sacrifices, close quote, Jonah explained. Jonah added that the Aztec prayers at issue, which seek blessings from and the intercession of these demonic forces, were not being taught as poetry or history. Rather, the ESMC instructed students to chant the prayers for emotional nourishment after a lesson that may be emotionally taxing or even when student engagement may appear to be low. In other words, the idea was to use the incantations as actual prayers. Wow. Let that sink in. The article goes on to say, In fact, the co-chair of California's ESMC uh, wrote that Christians committed theocide to oppress marginalized groups, and the response should be to regenerate indigenous spiritual traditions. Jonah pointed out. He also uh, stated that the Aztec prayers, which invoke these deities by name, appear to be part of uh, the uh, the co-chair of California's ESMC uh, proposed solution. So this was a part of their solution. 
Going on to say, fortunately, Jonah wrote that parties were able to reach an informal resolution. The State Board of Education, California Department of Education, voluntarily agreed to remove the prayers from the ESMC. Praise be to God. Now, uh, there's more to the article. You can read it for yourself over at catholicvote.org. But I think that's the, the heart of it. And ultimately, they were invoking the very same demonic uh, forces that were at play when Hernan Cortez came to the continent and destroyed Satan's worship there. And if you want a gripping recounting of that, I encourage you to read Warren Carroll's Our Lady of Guadalupe. It is a fantastic read. It is not very big. It is just really good. And it's based on Bernal Diaz, who was a a friend and was with Hernan Cortez at the time and uh, kept a journal of the events. And they are gripping, riveting. So I really encourage you to check out Warren Carroll. But the very same deities that they encountered and to see the description the first time Hernan Cortez climbed the pyramid the main temple in what is today called Mexico City, and to describe the look of, the, of these priests who were offering literally tens of thousands of human sacrifices every single year to these demonic forces. And then to go into the this, this special room at the top of the platform that was caked in blood, hearts and organs just burning, the, and the bodies kicked over the side and tumbling down the stairs to be eaten in part by the priests and the animals that were in, kept like a zoo at the base of this temple. Um, it is, to, to see and read the description, it'll make your skin crawl. And yet, these people thought this was a good idea to bring this back into the public school system in California. So this is truly good news, in my opinion, that... Um, this was now overturned, and uh, this wrong was made right, praise be to God. Hopefully and prayerfully, parents are saying enough is enough, and we want to have more control over what happens to our kids in these schools. kind of reminds me of the school choice issue, how parents really wish they had more choice, more options to use their taxpayer dollars, hard-earned money, to put them towards schools that were better fit for their kids. That school choice is being fought against rigorously, all across our country, uh, because uh, the teachers' lobby is very powerful. So, good news out of California, praise be to God. Not everything is bad in California, Rudy. Not everything. So There's still some good people there, I'd say. Here's another story I think is pretty good news. Out of lifenews.com, headline goes, Federal Appeals Court Keeps Texas Abortion Ban in Place. Will Continue Saving Babies from Abortion. Can you believe... I remember when this took place, when the uh, Texas abortion ban went into place, I said, if this lasts the whole day, I'd be surprised. And not only does it last the whole day, it has gone months and months and months now. This is truly a miracle and an amazing thing, in my opinion. A little bit of the article, it says... A federal appeals court has issued a ruling today allowing the Texas abortion ban to continue saving the lives of unborn children from abortions. The Fifth Circuit uh, Court moved the case to the Texas Supreme Court, where pro-life groups say it's more likely to receive a favorable ruling upholding it long term. Quote, on Monday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit certified the Supreme Court of Texas to take over Whole Women's Health versus Jackson, the one remaining federal lawsuit challenging the Texas Heartbeat Act, close quote, Texas right to life officials informed Life News. 
The article goes on to say, quote, this is a this is great news for Texas because such action is more likely to ensure a just and favorable ruling compared to that which could be expected from a pro-abortion federal district judge to whom the abortion industry asked to send the case. Beyond this, sending the lawsuit to the Supreme Court of Texas is appropriate because the only defendants left in the case are state agencies, close quote, pro-life group added. Going on to say, most exciting of all is that the Texas Heartbeat Act has withstood another court decision and is continuing to save an estimated 100 preborn lives every day. That is really amazing. Praise be to God. Um, the Texas Heartbeat Laws ban... Uh, the, tex- the Texas heartbeat law bans abortion when an unborn baby's heartbeat begins, and it has saved as many as 10,000 unborn babies' lives so far. Praise be to Jesus Christ. A Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals panel considered the two sides' arguments earlier this month involving the unique private enforcement mechanism in the law, and the court, uh, the court the court that should be next to consider the case. Abortion activists want the case to be sent back to a federal judge who previously blocked the law, while Texas health officials want the Texas Supreme Court to hear it next. Pro-abortion groups were angry when the U.S. Supreme Court refused to block the law in December and sent it back to the Fifth Circuit instead of U.S. District Judge Robert Pittman. <laughs> this is great. Praise be to God. I'll leave it there. You can read the rest of it over at lifenews.com. But that is good news. Praise be to God. Two very good news stories that babies continue to be saved in the great state of Texas. And we're seeing that this is now spreading to other states, too. So we're very grateful for that. Uh, here's a story that I saw that's trending this morning. Um, you know, we've talked about this before. The NBA... And their, their strange relationship to China. We know that the NBA has a relationship with China. They have sent their players over there to do tournaments and special trainings. And, you know, there's been a lot of huff and muss with LeBron James and, and others. But here's an article out of the SF Gate, or I think it's San Francisco Gate, sfgate.com. Warriors, that's a basketball team out there, part owner, Shamath says he doesn't care about genocide in China, and then backtracks a little bit. Uh, Shamath, uh, whose last name I will only butcher, but a billionaire Silicon Valley venture capitalist and part owner of the Golden State Warriors, attempted to backtrack from recent comments he made that nobody cares, including himself, about the ongoing Uyghur genocide in China. The subject came up on a podcast when uh, he and his co-host, uh, praise or his co-host praised Joe Biden's condemnation of the human rights abuses inflicted by the Chinese government, including genocide and forced labor in the northwest region of Xinjiang. In December, Biden signed legislation banning imports from the region, from just the region, eh? So the rest of the country is is perfectly fine, I guess. Just that one region. We're not going to take anything from there. Just before the 15-minute mark of the podcast, he interrupted, Chamath interrupted, and said, nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs, okay? You bring it up because you really care, and I think that it's nice that you care, but the rest of us don't care. Now, um, here's, the, in, here's the, the take. Here's the important part of this story. I watched the video this morning of his comments, and I get what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, in general, nobody cares. Nobody really cares. So there's one, like, sort of a general statement there. 
And then uh, he, he, go, he sort of clarifies, and you should watch the videos of him saying this for yourself so you get it, get it from his perspective. But he's basically saying, listen, it's below my radar. I don't care. He equates what happens in prison at Rikers Island as a greater priority than what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims in China and how they're being abused, their organs are being harvested, their wives are being forced into relationships with Chinese soldiers, and on and on it goes. Slave labor is going on over there, and he thinks it's more important to focus on the, on the prisoners in Rikers Island than it does to focus on the genocide. We continue to have a relationship with with communist China, even though their abuse record is off the charts and nothing ever changes. But in his opinion, it is below his radar and the radar of most people, and it doesn't matter in the end. And he says, basically, we have to clean our own house before we can go and help others. And there's some truth to that. It's like reminding me of what Jesus said about take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of others. Sure, I get that aspect, but we're not talking about a speck in the eye of the Communist Party. We're talking about a massive forest of trees hanging out the eye of the Communist Party in their abuse record. So there's that. But here's the other thing. I think he's right to some degree. I think most people don't care about what happens to the Uyghurs in China. They're too far away, and it doesn't impact them. Just like they don't care what happens to the Nigerians that are being executed by the Muslims in that country. Or many other countries, like Christians in the Middle East, that are being persecuted, like in Pakistan, for instance. I mean, a lot of times, us in the West, we're so focused on our world and what's happening before us that we really don't care about the injustices against peoples elsewhere. So in some ways, this could be a wake-up call for us to care more, to have some empathy about the suffering of our neighbor elsewhere. It's a lesson learned there, I think, for us, and Shamath is helping with us with that, even though I think ultimately he probably will never care. And there's that. That's going to do it for What's Concerning Us. Right after this very short break, we're going to come back and have breaking news and stories with Rudy Carlos and then Sean Carney, president of 40 Days for Life, We'll be our guest. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back and share us with a friend. You could win a 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250 and help drive home the word of God. The GRN is raffling off this night black compact SUV with the luxury and performance you expect from Mercedes-Benz to support the mission of Catholic Radio. This car could be yours for only $25. Buy four tickets, you get one free. The 2022 GRN car raffle ends February 21st, so get your tickets today at grnonline.com slash raffle. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Rudy Carlos here, now your headline news. 
The Blaze reports Supreme Court to hear case of high school football coach fired for praying after games. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear arguments in a case involving Joe Kennedy, a former Washington State high school football coach who was fired for praying after games, his lawyers announced last week. No teacher or coach should lose their job for simply expressing their faith while in public, said Kelly Shackelford, president and CEO of First Liberty, the law firm representing Kennedy, in a press release. By taking this important case, the Supreme Court can protect the right of every American to engage in private religious expression, including praying in public, without fear of punishment. First Liberty added that by agreeing to take the case, the Supreme Court has an opportunity to protect the right of every American to live out their faith, including praying in public, without fear of punishment. Kennedy, too, expressed optimism about his chances before the nation's top court, saying six years away from the football field has been far too long. I am extremely grateful that the Supreme Court is taking is going to hear my case and pray that I will soon be able to back to be back on the field coaching the game and with the players I love. One American News reports China touts alliance with Iran after anti-Trump video. Mainland China reaffirmed, reaffirmed that it what it called an alliance with Iran just days after its ayatollah threatened to kill the 45th U.S. president. This occurred as the Iranian foreign minister, minister visited China in recent days for a series of high-level meetings. During those talks, Chinese State Councilor Wang Yi blamed the U.S. for the failure of the 2015 nuclear deal, adding China also opposes American sanctions against Iran. Meanwhile, Joe, Biden, Joe Biden's diplomats are still trying to strike a deal with Iran. And Breitbart reports NBA co-owner says nobody cares about China's weaker genocide. And the AP reports Sweden's spy agency probes drones over three nuclear plants. Sweden's domestic security agency said Monday it has taken over the preliminary investigation into drones that last week were seen hovering around the country's three nuclear power plants. At first, police said that there had been drones over two nuclear plants, Forsmark, north of Stockholm, Oskarsham in the southeast. The intelligence service known by its Swedish acronym SAPO said a drone also was reported over a third nuclear power facility called Ringals, which is the largest of them and sits on the country's western coast. I wonder if IKEA named these power plants, by the way. Uh, so far, the police have no suspects. Late Friday, police were alerted about the drones but lost track of the unmanned aircraft. Swedish media said the drones were large enough to withstand the wind that was blowing over the area. And those were your headline news this morning. I love you. Praise be to God and all thanks. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via phone is the president of 40 Days for Life, Sean Carney. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How are you? Praise be to God. I am alive, and that counts. How are you? <laughs> Good, and I'm, I'm glad you're alive as well. Well, there's at least one person. <laughs> Praise be to Jesus. <laughs> How was your Christmas and New Year's, by the way? It was awesome. It was really awesome. We uh, we hosted as we often do, and had a lot of people, and and uh, it was it was a lot of fun, very relaxing, and you know got to shoot off some fireworks on New Year's Eve. So we had a blast. Praise be to God for that. You know, it's such a crazy world. It's uh, it's sometimes it's you can get very depressing just reading the news. But what we're at we're at one year anniversary on for Joe Biden, and uh, he's got the lowest poll numbers ever. And right now, trending is uh, worst president ever on Twitter. Uh, things are pretty crazy. But what about his pro-life record in the first year? What do you say, Sean Carney? <laughs> what kind of question is that? So, yeah, he doesn't have one. Uh, number one, he doesn't have a pro-life record in the first year of his presidency. Um, I, you know, what a disaster. I'm not sure if he knows he's president. You know, I don't know Gosh. whether to feel bad for him or kind of harp on him. But um, 
a lot of people let this happen. And Joe Biden is not 30 trying to figure out his life. He's not 30 trying to discern the church's teaching on abortion. He's a grown man who at every moment has taken full advantage of publicly supporting abortion while publicly touting that he's Catholic. I mean, he's he's the epitome of, of just a public scandal, but not according to to Joe or Sean, but but to the church's teaching. And so um, he's been horrible. But one of the good things is, is you're right, people watch too much news and it seems, you know, depressing. Um, 2021, this time a year ago, was looking bad. We had the most pro-abortion government coming in. Joe Biden's the most pro-abortion president ever to, to, to be in office, just what he's promoted and allowed. And it should have been a great year for the abortion industry in 2021, but it, it wasn't. And, and part of that is some of the leftovers of, of Donald Trump and the Supreme Court uh, justices that he appointed. So we're getting a lot of good news from D.C., but we're also getting even more good news, continuing to get more good news from the grassroots with, with abortion facilities in, in conservative states, liberal states closing. And, and that, that is what D.C. can't do anything about, fortunately. Um, can you I'm, I'm blown away by the Texas heartbeat bill still in play. I mean, I, when it came, the day it came out, I said, this is not going to last the day. It's great, but it ain't going to last the day. And it's gone months and months and thousands of babies have been saved. How surprised are you at that? I'm, I'm you know, there's surprise. And then there's, is this too good to be true? Surely this is going to end. That's <laughs> right. like the Irish cynicism. Right. But um, it's, I'm not surprised because of the way the law is written. You know, both the Texas Heartbeat Act and the Dobbs case in in Mississippi, which challenged Roe v. Wade, the reason these laws work so much is because the the appeal to them, the opposition to them, is from the abortion doctors themselves, not from a woman. And that's why the Dobbs case is so powerful. That's why the Heartbeat Act is so powerful, because – you have abortion doctors advocating for women to get abortions, which is like Toyota advocating for people to buy new Toyotas. So, you know, the Supreme Court sitting there going, well, what do you care if the women want abortions? They need to sue us, which is what Roe did, right? Roe was a woman, Norma McCorvey, suing for her right to abortion. And neither of these cases are. They're the abortion doctors. And so that's one of the reasons it's really lasted. It's also enforceable by private citizens. So, um I am surprised that it's gone on this long, obviously, um, and I hope it continues. But it has put the abortion industry in the supernatural and natural you know, realm of having to advocate for stopping heartbeats. You know, the one thing is we're talking about is heartbeats, and, mm-hmm. and those exist. Nobody's denying there's a heartbeat anymore, and that, that, that changes a lot of hearts, and it, it points the debate in a direction we want to go. Sean Carney is our guest, president of 40 Days for Life. So do you see a shift there? If they can't do abortions at their facilities, how are they are they going to shift and how so? Because, I mean, their finances have to be in great jeopardy at this point. Yeah, they're, they're going to go out of business. Especially well, praise be to God, but yeah. I'm sure they're not no, going to take that, you know, sitting down. Well, they were unprepared for this, and particularly Planned Parenthood. They're usually not unprepared for court battles. They're very good at them, actually, unfortunately. And they weren't prepared for this. So they're already strapped for cash, especially here in Texas, uh, our largest facility on the Gulf Freeway, the largest Planned Parenthood in the world here in Houston, uh, 
has never hit their abortion quota. It's always been a disappointment. It cost them a fortune, and they've never hit their abortion quota. So you're looking at places that are already a little strapped for cash that all of a sudden, you know, the, the hamburger place can't serve hamburgers. And, and that, that, that will dry you up really quickly for an abortion facility. So um, I think they're going to close a, a lot of them. We should definitely expect that in Texas. That's just a mathematical reality. They could even overturn the heartbeat uh, act tomorrow. And I think some of these places would still have to close. So wow. uh, we're going to see a lot of good news in Texas for sure. What about the uh, the cases? There's a lot of abortion clinics that are not Planned Parenthood. And for example, in Houston, one of the largest, the one who does more abortions in Houston is a small little women's clinic, more than the ginormous temple that Planned Parenthood has. So what what's going on with all the smaller, independent, quote, women's clinics and things like that? Nationwide, uh, we see those type of doctors, the one on San Jacinto, retiring. You know, the average age of an abortion doctor is, is like 72. So there's not young medical students going, I'm going to be the best abortion doctor in the history of America, you know, like Praise they do for, for oncology. <laughs> you know, I want to work at MD Anderson. You know, real doctors have real goals, and, and they're, they don't. This was an accident that they ended up doing this for for ninety percent of them. So uh, they're retiring. Um, I think we're going to see more of that in in Texas. But they're in a worse position than Planned Parenthood because once they once they can't do abortions, they don't have sort of a corporate shield uh, of a Planned Parenthood to to bail them out. They also don't get federal funding. That's oh, another wow. thing that can prop Planned Parenthood up. So. These the local places, the the independent guys are, are are in worse shape than Planned Parenthood for sure. We're talking with Sean Carney, president of Forty Days for Life. We're up against a break here in just a moment, but uh, looking at the the last year of the Biden administration, which is getting darker every day. It seems like even I mean I saw he was getting negative pushback from CNN for you know that that should tell you something. Um, but do you see a doubling down in spite of it all? They're looking at midterms uh, overturning and who knows what will happen in 2024. Do you see Biden doubling down on that or coming closer back to the middle? He seems to be doubling down. I think he's forfeited the middle since he entered the, the, the primary. You know, I mean, he, he, he has not been allowed to be moderate and he hasn't seemed to want to be any kind of moderate. So, I mean... You know, Bill Clinton came out. He was the pro-life governor of Arkansas. He kind of did the whole good old boy thing in Arkansas, and he got elected. And then he was the nominee in 1992, and he came out, and he said, I don't like abortion, but I think it should be safe, legal, and rare. And everybody kind of got so yeah, That was a long time ago. So much for safe, That's legal, and rare. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Sean Carney is our guest. We're going to be right back after the very quick break to talk more about the march coming up. And what does a pro, uh, post-row world look like? All that and more coming up. This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. As moms and dads, we have a natural and grace-filled desire to lay down our lives for our children, to provide for their emotional and physical needs as best we can. Moms particularly can tend to burn ourselves out for the children, right, ladies? Lunching on leftover mac and cheese, getting up five times a night, cleaning endlessly. How should parents live an ordered life? The first thing we need to remember is that there is no sacrament of parenthood. You receive the grace to be a parent through the sacrament of matrimony, through your marriage. 
This is how you will bring grace into your family through celebrating your marriage. Putting your marriage first is the way to be a great parent. Dads, sometimes you need to step in and remind your wife that she's first and foremost your beloved bride. It was God's order that you were first married and from your love came the children. Remember, your marriage is the foundation of your family. For encouragement and tools to strengthen your marriage and family life, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. God is so very good. Sean Carney, president of 40 Days for Life, is our guest. He's on the phone with us now. Welcome back to the program, Sean. Good to be back. Um, let's talk about the march coming up. Um, I guess it's next week, and um, it's going to be a big event, but the lot is on is different this time. There is major mandates happening in the, in the city of Washington, D.C., the mayor of which still wants her two senators so that they uh, can get out of this mess, quote-unquote, her words. Um, how do you think that will play out this year? I think it's going to be a mess. Um, this is one of the first uh, March for Life in D.C. that that I haven't been to in 15 years. I'm going to go to Austin this year, which I haven't been in, in a number of years. Wow. The, the schedule. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. And the Texas, uh, uh, Texas Alliance for Life who puts that on is expecting a huge crowd, uh, mainly because of the Heartbeat Act. But my worst fear back in October was they're going to use COVID to get rid of the March for Life again. Last year, they used January 6th in COVID. This year, they're using COVID. So um, the mayor and, and, and Biden also, um, they have all these mandates. you got to be vaccinated to, to dine in in a restaurant and, and all of these things when you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people planning on going. So I, I feel very bad for the good folks. Uh, who run the March for Life. They do a great job. Jeannie Mancini is an excellent leader. Um, but, you know, if somebody raised their hand and said, should we move this event to Nashville? You know, I wouldn't object. Because <laughs> it's just gotten, it, it's gotten worse every year, you know, the last two years. And, and you know, everybody's tired of talking about COVID. But, but in, in D.C. And in San Francisco, where the two massive pro-life marches are, and we have a huge presence at, at both. We give away our scholarship on the stage of the of the West Coast Walk for Life in San Fran. Amazing. You know, those are two cities that they don't they're not really looking to get divorced from COVID anytime soon or the mandate. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I don't know where that leaves these these pro-life marches. I will say, Joe, and I was in San Diego last uh, just a couple of days ago, Saturday. Um, I spoke at the the Walk for Life in San Diego. They had a huge turnout, um, and you know they 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 don't have some of these mandates, fortunately, because that's a big tourist town. They can't afford it, so it's um, it, you know there were six thousand people out there. Uh, the San Diego bishop came out. Two other Southern California bishops were, were there and spoke. It was very very encouraging. Um, so I just think these local, regional, and state marches are are going to get bigger and. 
Joe, that's not a bad thing because when Roe is overturned, it will go back to the states and you'll have places like California and New York that start building abortion clinics, you know, like their fast food restaurants. And then you'll have places like, you know, Texas and Mississippi where they'll they'll all close. It, it will just focus on the states. So I don't mind these state marches getting larger. Um, I think the March for Life is one of the greatest events as an American, much less a Catholic. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's getting it's hard enough when you lead a big group up there. But all these mandates, uh, keeping up with them with a bunch of students, it, it, it's becoming difficult to manage for a lot of people. Mr. Carney, I agree with you. You know, these these march march marches for life are really an incredible experience. Um, and I, I owe it to one of those to for the conversion of my wife, my then girlfriend at the time, who uh, you know was had mixed ideas on abortion. But uh, I'm curious as to if you know whether you know the demographics have changed in the pro life movement. Uh, I've noticed that there's a lot more secularists coming in, and you know it's not so much just a religious you know majority there anymore. What do you say about that? Yes, to a certain degree, but if if you were making that argument on a big scale and then you went to the March for Life, I mean, you'd see like a hundred banners of Our Lady Guadalupe and you'd see people, you know, <laughs> with devotion to the Incredible. Sacred Heart. It is, it is very much a religious movement, and, and I still think it's very much a Catholic movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, we have gained a lot of evangelicals and it's not because we've lost Catholics, we've gained even more Catholics, but we've, we've also just added evangelicals. So most pro-life events, and certainly from the 40 days for life perspective, and we emphasize prayer and fasting. So, you know, we get, we get all the religious people, but, um, I, I think that, that science has led to a lot of that, that it's just so obvious that life begins at conception. We know it does. We no longer only believe that it does we now know that it does so that that's brought more of a of a different crowd which is which is good uh, but the problem with abortion isn't the scientific reality it's that many people believe yes it is a baby and yes we mm. have a right to kill him or her mm. and this is a struggle of the will and secularism gives a long leash to the will and and you know the the church and her wisdom guides us in that as our Lord does. So, so uh, true. the danger is that we think we have a right to kill other people. Um, right. And without God, we can we can indeed do that. You know, Sean, I wanted to go back a little bit to a post-Roe society. And, you know, it's interesting because I was talking about this. I was at the March for Life in Dallas. I'm going to be at the March for Life in Austin. So maybe I'll see you there. I'm bringing a small group of people over. And uh, this uh, at the at the March for Life, uh, the TFP are pamphleting out these uh, pamphlets on what does a post row society look like. And so I had a, got a discussion with them, and we were talking about this. And I my fear for the post row society is that the the people the left are are going to try to take the pro life movement and shift it toward things that are not what is geared towards the flourishing of life. They're going to say, okay, well, now that we've accomplished the abortion issue, let's uh, go and fight for LGBT rights. Let's fight to abolish the death penalty. Let's fight for immigration and all these other things instead of fighting for uh, things that cause Roe v. Wade to begin with. We, if we go back to a pre-Roe society, all we get is Roe v. Wade again. And so we have to fight against the impurity, the, the sex stores, these... Uh, 
all these different things that are these immodesty, all these things that are causing that cause Roe v. Wade to begin with. We have to fight against those. Uh, what do you say about what a post Roe society is going to look like? And what are we what are the fears that we need to be prepared to respond to? Well, the, the first thing to acknowledge is that a post Roe world is not an abortion free America. Mm. Um, there's a chance abortions could go up, you know, because you're going to have abortion facilities building on the border states like they do in New Mexico already because Texas has such strict abortion laws. And so you have these abortion facilities that pop up on, on the on the New Mexico border. Uh, that is what's going to happen. You'll have pro-life states. You know, you'll have Wyoming have no abortion and you'll have Planned Parenthood moving and buying real estate in Colorado. That's what's going to happen. And so, you know, we're, we're going to see a we're going to see San Diego. The mayor of San Diego just declared San Diego an abortion safe haven, which mm. <laughs> doesn't doesn't really make you feel tingly inside. Um, but it's an, it's going to be an abortion safe haven. And what that means is they they want abortion businesses to come to build and they want people to travel there and have abortions. And so Roe v. Wade changes the geography of abortion. It sends it back to the states. Um, and then there could be a move to, to just, you know, ban all abortion eventually, but um, no matter what state you're in. But but right now, um, it's just going to shift uh, where the battle takes place. So those other movements, I don't I don't think it's, you know, there's always distractions. People have always asked me to do weird stuff you know <laughs> and i'm like i've worked for 40 days for life but um you know that's that's just part of it i think everybody wants you to solve their biggest problem uh and maybe not the biggest problem or the most urgent problem but the the symptoms that led to this you're absolutely right and that's why that's why thank god we we have the church and we form our kids in the faith and we live the faith in our in our daily life um when and if abortion ends, it will be short-lived if we have completely destroyed the family mm-hmm. and we've uh, changed the, what the institution of marriage is. And we've, we've told, you know, little boys who tell us that they're girls, that they're validated in that. You know, uh, it will be short-lived, uh, short-lived if the cultural upheaval continues, for sure. We have just a couple of minutes left with Sean Carney, president of 40 Days for Life. You know, uh, thinking about the governor of New York, a Catholic, Kathy Hochul, I think her name is, or the governor of New Jersey, also a Catholic, who just uh, signed into law abortion up to birth. A lot of Catholics involved in the abortion biz. Uh, last couple of minutes, uh, what do you make of that, Sean Carney? I think that, above all, it, it, is, it is sad. I know it's scandalous and it's a joke and the bishop should call them out, but they, they won't. We just know that the last 50 years, it just rarely happens. And so it doesn't do a lot of good to complain about it, I guess. But it's bad for them. <laughs> it's bad for their souls. And I feel like in all of this, people forget that these Catholic politicians who run around and scandalize themselves in the church, what about them? Like, what about their souls? It's not about conservative Catholics calling somebody out and feeling good about it the rest of the day. It, it's that this is a soul. Don't we want, um, don't we want to, to, to be our brother's keeper? You know, don't we want our friends and our family to say, Hey, I heard you say this, or I know that you're doing this and you don't need to be doing that. Um, I mean, that's what I, 
hope our pastors would do, and they just don't. If you're a Catholic politician and you publicly support abortion, it's just supposed to be another issue. And and we're not we're not talking about taxes or health care or, or immigration or, or all these other important issues. This is whether another human being should live or not. And by the way, it's a human being that, you know, our Lord was once one. He chose the womb. So I think it's detrimental to the to the souls themselves. And I think it's obviously scandalous to to just Catholics at large. Yeah. Amen to that. Well said. 40 Days for Life. It's 40daysforlife.com is the website. You got a campaign launching in March, right? Yeah, uh, on Ash Wednesday, March the 2nd. So we are excited. We expect uh, close to 600 cities. Praise be to God. What an amazing thing. Well, God love you, Sean Carney. We're very grateful for your time today and for your insight into all these stories. Uh, Have a great day, and God bless you. You too. Thank you all. All right. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. Thank you for joining us for that. If you can and you're able to join us for the second hour, we always love to have you. We'll have our game show and prizes are at stake and a lot more to talk about in the next hour. But don't let me forget that we're trying to give somebody a brand new Mercedes. It could be you. It is a 2022 GLA 250 in night black. You can find the rules and buy tickets and all of that information on our website at grnonline.com. That's grnonline.com. God love you. God bless you. If we don't see you next hour, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., 7 central, or 6 a.m. central, 7 eastern. God love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Between now and February 21st, the GRN is raffling off a 2022 GLA 250 in Midnight Black. And this sweet beauty of a car can be all yours by going to grnonline.com and purchasing five tickets for $100 or $25 for one. All proceeds support Catholic Radio on the GRN. Now that's a deal that's all right, all right, all right. Are Christians guilty of hate speech for voicing their belief that homosexual acts are immoral and contrary to human nature? Many in the culture think so. So what can we say in response? First, it's not hate speech to say a particular behavior is inappropriate human behavior, given our nature as human beings. If that were true, well then any negative moral evaluation of behavior would be hate speech. But that's absurd. Second, the assertion is inconsistent with itself. Why can't Christians have a negative moral evaluation of homosexual behavior, but yet the objector can negatively judge a Christian's behavior for opposing homosexuality? Isn't he guilty of the very thing he accuses Christians of? My friends, it's not hate speech to say a particular behavior is not befitting of human beings. We must judge actions, but always with respect for the person. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. 
Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning, Tuesday, January the 18th, 2022. Can you believe we're already 18 days into the year? Before you know it, you're going to be preparing for, for the season of Advent and Christmas. Christmas lights are going to be back up at any moment. It's going so fast. Actually, Ash Wednesday's pretty, it's coming quick. <laughs> so have you even prepared? We're going to have to do some shows based on Lent, getting people prepared for Lent. We did one on Exodus 90, which is kind of in that category for guys anyway. So we'll have to get some guests on to talk about how to get ready for the holy season of Lent. We'll be doing that. So stick around. A lot of Catholic drive time is headed your way in 2022. But uh, lest I should forget before the show gets too started, uh, get your car raffle tickets. It's a great way to support your local Catholic radio station. That station that you're listening to right now needs your support. It is listener-funded, brought to you by you. You make it possible to do this work. So uh, you could also win a car in the deal, a brand-new car. A Mercedes, of all things. A GLA 250 in night black. It's a beautiful car, and you could be driving it by the end of February. And we get to use the proceeds to keep Catholic Radio going. So there's two ways you can do this. You can go onto our website, grnonline.com. That's a great way. Rules are there. You can purchase tickets there. It's fast. It's secure. It's easy. I get it. grnonline.com. Scroll down till you see the, the car, and then just click on that. Uh, but if you want to, like, 10x that, then what you do is you call your local station manager and you talk to them directly. And you say, listen, I want to support you. I want to buy some raffle tickets. I want to help you sell raffle tickets to my friends and my family, at my parish, my group, my Bible study, Exodus 90, or whatever. Uh, that would be amazing. And that would be above and beyond. So you can find your local station manager's contact information on our website, grnonline.com. So check that out today. Good morning to you, Rudy. Hey, good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, how you feeling? I feel good. That should be a song. I feel good. I feel good. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do, do you remember that song, or is, is that too old for you? No, I like that song. I wonder if Adrian knows that song. I don't think he does. Speaking of feeling good, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Adrian, do you feel good? Howdy, howdy. No, I, I feel great. Praise be to God. Do you do you know do the I, song, I Feel Good? Uh, of course, of course. But I don't, I mean, I didn't hear it when it came out. Course. You weren't there at the time. No, definitely not. Can you can you <laughs> dance like him? I'm just curious. Can you can you demonstrate for of me? Of course you I can. There when of the record dropped. If you're if you're watching the if you're listening on the radio, I mean you can see right now. I'm do I'm dancing to that song perfectly, uh, exactly the way it is. We're live video streaming it right yeah, now. Yeah, but if you're live, think... 
If you're live video streaming, then you know that's not true. That's immodest. So, Cut, away from that. <laughs> Cut away from that. Cut away from that. Cut away from that. Well, hey, uh, we, we just got off the phone with Sean Carney in the last hour, by the way, president of 40 Days for Life, and we were talking about all the aspects in the news about the pro-life movement and what a post-Roe v. Wade world might look like, the what might happen in the March for Life coming up in D.C., and all of those stories. We're going to post that to our social feeds uh, at some point. You can find them all linked up on our website at grnonline.com. But this hour, we have a good news story for you, praise be to God, and then we have uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We'll get a little reflection in. Plus, we're going to have our game show, Fear and Trembling. And then in the second half of this hour, we hang out with you live on our social feeds, on the live video feeds on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey. We're on LinkedIn. We're, I, I cross-post to, like, Gab and Parler and MeWe everywhere. So you can find all those links on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But that's what's on the agenda. Please hang out with us as long as you can and share us with a friend. We'd be super grateful for you. So let's begin by praying for your needs, but also the conversion of sinners around the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intersection was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now your good news story for the day. Today reports, pre-med student spots cancerous mole on hockey staff red game. It was a dangerous melanoma. Brian Red Hamilton was in the middle of moving equipment on the Vancouver Canucks bench in in between periods on October 23rd in Seattle when he noticed a woman behind the bench pressing her phone against the plexiglass. The message on her phone was written in large font and caught the attention of Hamilton, the assistant equipment manager for the Canucks. The message expressed Nadia Popovici's concern that she believed a mole on the back of Hamilton's neck was cancerous and that he needed to get it checked. Turns out she was right. I felt bad at the moment because I was walking off, off off the bench and she put her phone up to the glass and on the phone it said, the mole on the back of your neck is cancer. It threw me off, Hamilton recalled on Saturday before the Canucks played their second game of the season in Seattle. The Canucks posted a letter from Hamilton on Saturday retelling the story of how this played out and expressing his thanks and desire to meet the woman in question. Within barely an hour, both the Canucks and Seattle Kraken said that the 22-year-old Popovici had been contacted after spending New Year's Eve working at a crisis hotline. The fact that I got to look at him in the eye and hear what happened from his perspective, said Popovici, who graduated from the University of Washington and intends to attend medical school in the next year, said, uh, imagine how jarring it is for you to be at work and somebody just kind of looks at you and says, hey, maybe you should go see a doctor. That's not what you want to hear. So the fact that I got to see him and talk to him and his family members, that has really, excuse me, the fact that I got to see him and talk to his family members that have been really impacted by him dodging a big bullet, that's so special. The Kraken acknowledged the story of what happened midway through the first period to a standing ovation from the crowd and announced both franchises would be giving Popovici a joint gift of $10,000 to help her with medical school expenses. How she saw it boggles my mind, Hamilton said. It wasn't very big. 
The game in Seattle in October was the final stop on the Canucks' opening road trip, with a couple of days being back in Vancouver. <clears throat> Hamilton had a team of doctors look at the mole in question. When they expressed concern, Hamilton had it removed a few days later and sent it off to be biopsied. Hamilton was told by his doctors the cancer in the mole could have become life-threatening in a few years if it had not been addressed. It was the only outer it was the only the outer layer of my skin, Hamilton said. It hadn't penetrated the second layer of my skin, and that's because we caught it so early. Hamilton said the entire purpose of telling his story and releasing the letter was to give Popovici recognition for her effort in getting his attention and writing the message. I understand I'm part of the story, but she needs to know she's the story, Hamilton said. She's the person that did this. She saved the life. She needs to know her efforts are valid and bang on. And that's good news. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Margaret. Margaret was born to King Bela IV of Hungary and his wife, Mary Lascaris, at a time when the Tartars were invading Hungary. The king offered to dedicate their child to the church if Hungary was freed from the Tartars. It was, and so Margaret was brought to the Dominican convent, of course, the great choices from dad, at Vesperium at the age of three. Somewhat later, Bella and his queen built a convent for their daughter on an island in the Dunabi near Buda. And there, when she was 12 years old, she made her profession. When Margaret was 18, Otakar, king of Bohemia, sought her hand in marriage, even after he had seen her in her religious dress. A dispensation could easily have been arranged, and Bella was inclined to favor it for a political reason. But Margaret declared, I wished to serve him only to whom you had espoused me at my birth. As a child, I would not yield to your will in opposition to God's claim on me. Do you think that I am likely to give in to you now that I am older and wiser? And am I more capable of grasping the greatness of the divine grace that has been given me? Then my father stopped trying to turn me from my determination to remain religious. I prefer the heavenly kingdom to that which has been offered to me by the king of Bohemia. I would rather die than obey these commands of yours that will bring death to my soul. Mark my words, if matters ever come to such a pass and I am driven to it, I will surely put an end to the whole affair by mutilating myself so that I shall never again be desirable to any man. The sacristan would talk of Margaret, how she would coax her to leave the door open and after compliments that she would spend the night before the Blessed Sacrament when she ought to be sleeping. Intense, too, were the Margaret's prayer life and penance. She spent every Friday in tears contemplating the suffering of Christ, and she worked much for the relief of the poor and the sick. Worn out by her efforts, she died on the 18th of January, 1270, at the age of only 28. Her cause began soon after, and there is much contemporary evidence of her life, but she was not canonized until 1943 by Pope Pius XII. St. Margaret, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. As Jesus was passing through a field of grain on the Sabbath, his disciples began to make a path while picking the heads of the grain. At this, the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions were hungry? How he went into the house of God when Abithar was high priest and ate the bread of offering that only the priest could lawfully eat and shared it with his companions? And then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is why the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. 
the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get the dig there? Did you see the dig that our Lord put upon these Pharisees? Have you not read? Could you imagine what that would have sounded like to them? I mean, go back and read uh, St. Paul's description of his own, you know, history, his own uh, curriculum vitae, how many times he's given it to us in the New Testament in his letters, right? How he was uh, a Pharisee of Pharisees, well-versed in the law, studied under Gamaliel himself, for crying out loud. These Pharisees considered themselves the best read of the law on planet Earth. And our Lord is saying, have you not read? Dig! It's such a dig. It's kind of funny, actually. But the Ignatius Catholic Commentary also points out what might be a discrepancy. He says Abithar, but Abithar was not the high priest when David went to the tabernacle and took and ate the showbread. In fact, it was Hamalek who was high priest at the time. Abithar's father. Now, why would Jesus do this? Did he not know? The early church fathers debated this. But here's Ignatius studies a commentary on this. Jesus probably mentioned Abithar instead of Amalek to post a warning for the Pharisees. Abithar is infamous in Old Testament history as the last high priest of his line who was banished from Jerusalem and the priesthood for opposing Solomon, the son of David, the heir of his kingdom. He thus represents the end of an old order that passes away with the coming of David's royal successor. As Jesus compares himself and the disciples with David and his men, he likewise draws the Pharisees into the story by casting them as figures like Abithar. He's laying the message very clear to these these Pharisees that aren't as well read as they think they are. Guess what's coming? It's coming. Be prepared. Adrian, you got anything? A couple minutes? Yes, real quickly. Uh, in regards to the Abathar question, Cornelius Lapide says, you will say that it is said in 1 Samuel that this was done under Ahimeliac, the father of Abathar. He said, I answer first, that Abathar was even then the pontiff together with his father. Because when his father was absent or sick or otherwise engaged, he discharged the high priest's office and he was shortly to succeed his father at his death. He says a bead refers to this and says that the Lord calls Abathar the high priest instead of Ameliac involves no discrepancy for both were on the spot when David came and asked for and received the loaves. And when Ameliac was slain by Saul, Abathar fled to David and when his companion threw the whole of his exile. And then he goes on further, and if you want to read more there, he, he says more there. He says, secondly, and better, it is clear from Scripture that both father and son bore both names, and both were called sometimes Abathar and sometimes Ameliac, as it was seen in Second Samuel 8, 1 Chronicles 18 and 24, and he goes on and lists a bunch of other citations for that. In regards to the Sabbath, uh, he says the force of the argument is this, since the Sabbath was instituted for the sake of man and not man for the Sabbath, therefore, if the Sabbath be hurtful to man, it must be abandoned, because the Sabbath was set to apply the mind of man to the things which concern eternal salvation, such as hearing and meditating upon the law of God. Lastly, and mystically, uh, our Lord has done this in order to show that he says, and Cornelius Lapide puts in the words of Christ, lastly, the Son of Man, that is, I, Christ, because I am the Messiah and God, am Lord of the Sabbath, I who instituted at the beginning for man's benefit, and therefore am able for the benefit of man to relax or to abolish it. And I think that'll conclude uh, Cornelius Lapide's commentary, though he has... A lot more to say here, but no. that'll have to be there. Cornelius Lapide has a lot to say. I, I don't see it, man. I don't, I don't see it. Come on now. 
Anyway, praise be to God. Thank you for Cornelius Alapide and Verboom.com for your generous tools that help us to connect the dots very quickly and dive deep on the gospel passages. That's Verboom with a V, V-E-R-B-U-M, Verboom.com forward slash G-R-N. Thank you for that. All right, time to play our game. Time to go to a break, and we're going to come back, and we're waiting for a phone call to come in. A contestant just like you, dear listener, who might play the game with us. You don't need to know the answers to win, and it's a lot of fun, I promise. That phone number is 877-757-9424, Call right now. Fear and Trembling is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Share us with a friend. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while... We'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share with anybody what I'm about to tell you, all right? So I'll tell you what my secrets and my agendas are only if you promise to keep this between us. But number one, we like to uh, teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about the Catholic faith you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then we like to have fun. We like to have a laugh. Our contestants tend to be a good time. They're great sports. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that quite a bit. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, uh, and uh, welcome. 
Thank you for coming. We appreciate you being here. But we have three Catholic trivia questions, but our caller does not need to know correct answers. They could, they could not know a single right answer and still win the game. And the reason is because I don't ask them these questions. Instead, I ask Rudy, I ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. And the correct answer goes into the coffee pot, the coffee cup, rather, of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what can they win? This week, our game show sponsor is Saint Wave. Based out of D.C., Saint Wave is a one-man operation created and run by a convert to the Catholic faith, sometimes influenced by different 80s subcultures, other times by minimalist aesthetics, but always influenced by the heroes of the church. Though the designs stay up to date and original, the greatest benefit is that they often they open opportunities to evangelize. Oh, and also while you're looking stylish. Our winner this week will receive a Life is Worth Living Fulton Sheen t-shirt, and you can see Saint Wave's latest designs and other items such as stickers, tote bags, and hats on their website, saintwave.net. Nice. Remember like the Miami Vice look? From the 80s? So cool. Everybody wanted to be just like Crockett, wearing <laughs> no socks and smelly little slippers. Remember that? Those <laughs> it good sounds days. like California. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Kim. Oh, good morning. Praise be to God, Kim. Uh, it's good to have you on our show. Uh, let us know. Where are you calling from? Uh, Spring, Texas. It's my first time playing Spring, Texas. Praise be to Jesus, Kim. We are glad to welcome you for the first time. You're a longtime CDT listener, but we're very grateful yeah. that you're on the phone with us. Praise be to God. Now, where do you go to church, Kim? We go to uh, the Catholic Charismatic Center. That's downtown, right? Downtown Houston, yes, Texas? It it's a good drive. It's a 32-mile drive down there, but we love it. We've been there 26 years. 26 years. Wow, that's incredible. That's yeah, a long time. I'm not even 26 years old yet, Kim, so... <laughs> Well, I'm not 26 years old yet, <laughs> actually speaking. <laughs> Kim has been going to her church longer than you've been alive. Yeah, that's, there you go. That's yeah. a thought, isn't it? Well, praise be So, Kim, you know the deal. You know how this works, right? Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm on your side, of course. It's Rudy and Adrian you got to be concerned with. Yeah. Are you Are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, Rudy, we will start with you, as is our tradition. Are you ready, sir? No, is what I would have said if I wasn't ready. Are you sure? Which I am. Are you sure? <laughs> yes, sir. Are you sure? Mm, yeah, I think so. Rudy, can you tell me <laughs> what term refers to the science of teaching Christian doctrine by word of mouth, especially to the young? Ah, yes. I'm sure you've heard of this, actually. It's called the Catholic dialectic. Catholic spelled C-A-T-H-O-L-I-Q. U-E. Catholic dialectic. Catholic? Catholic. The Catholic dialectic it's, it's is French. Yeah, it's, it was a French program. Every so. time I try to pronounce French, I get in trouble. <laughs> uh, we have to avoid these things. We oui, oui. Catholic dialectic is, your, is what That's you're saying. correct. Okay. Hmm. We oui, we. Oui. All right. Let's just see what, uh, <laughs> let's see what Adrian has to say here. Adrian, can you tell me what term refers to the science of teaching Christian doctrine by word of mouth, especially to the young. I just have to, I just wanted to say the word Catholic. Okay, anyways. Uh, so the answer... You got that out of your system now? Are, yeah, are you I, got, I got are that you, out of my system. Are you good? I'm, I'm good now. Okay, good. So the answer to the question, what uh -huh. term refers to the science of teaching Christian doctrine uh -huh. by word of mouth, especially to the young, that would be catechetics. Catechetics. Is that French? Catechetic? Mm, no, I don't no, think so. Not, I not don't think so. Okay, okay. <laughs> Well, Kim, here is the deal. Uh, Adrian seems to think it's catechetics, but Rudy seems to think it's Catholic dialectic. 
second, it's 15, fun to say. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who is wrong? Kim, what say you? I'm going to say Adrian. What? Uh, on purpose? That's a, like intentionally? That is brilliant, Kim. <laughs> Amen, Kim. You are a wise, wise we must, woman. We must be careful when we have to admit that Adrian's correct publicly. I'm just... <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> you know... I'm gonna go with Adrian. You are correct. It is catechetics. You are. It's not Catholic dialectic. Where'd you come up with that? <laughs> I don't know. This came to me. It just came, it came to you. It was an dream. inspiration from it, the Holy Ghost. It might have been indigestion. You got to make sure you. <laughs> I love. I, 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 we have to make that a term now because I just love saying that Catholic. 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 All right, Kim. You might win. Praise be to God. Uh, but I think we're gonna get you in for two. I'm pretty sure this next question is fairly easy. This fairly is hard. easy. No, no, it's easy. Here we go. To Adrian we go. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me? Uh-oh. The large outer vestment worn by the priest during Holy Mass is called what? Uh-huh. The large outer vestment, okay, mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. priest wears yeah. during Mass specifically. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. That would be the chasuble. The chasuble? Mm-hmm. Okay. 100%. I think I've heard that before. I've heard it once. Maybe yeah. twice. The chasuble. All right. Let's just see what Rudy says, though. Rudy, can you tell me? The large outer vestment worn by the priest during Holy Mass is called what? Uh, that's what's known as the mantle robes. Oh, wow. <laughs> the mantle robes. The mantle robes. You put <laughs> so the mantle dramatic. of God. On, <laughs> you know? <laughs> the mantle robes. <laughs> the mantle robes. <laughs> that's mantle robes. Yep. Huh. Okay, the mantle of God, you say. That's correct. Okay. Sounds powerful. Dramatic. I like it. I don't know, though. Uh, Okay, Kim, here's the deal. The question is, the large outer vestment worn by a priest at Holy Mass, uh, Rudy says it's called the mantle robes, but Adrian says it's called the chasuble. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Kim, what say you? I'm going to say again, Adrian. Wow. (laughs) In a row? Like, you just... Yes, of course. Brilliant. Yes, it's chasuble. The mantle robes. Mantle robes. Like, I, it's like like a, put on the armor of God. Yeah, that's right. In a day when the world is black, the priest wears the mantle robes. <laughs> Yikes! I don't know. Just the movie voice comes to mind. I don't know why. All right, congratulations, Kim. You're in for two. That's amazing. I think though, I'm gonna be honest with you, Kim. Okay, just between us, we're friends. This next uh-huh. question is the hardest of all three. But speaking of French, though, chasuble actually comes from Old French. Does it really? Yeah. You're making that up. Yeah. Does it really? It does. How do we get French going today? I have no idea. Somehow we're on a roll. We're here for French. Can we we roll this third question into some sort of French? That'd be interesting. (laughs) Oh, yes, we can. Let's see how that goes. All right, Kim, third question. We're going to go back to Rudy first. Rudy, can you tell me? What was the old name for the Carmelites? The White... Friars, also known as Le Blanc Friars. That's my that's my French interpretation. Did you seriously Le Blanc just try that? Friars. Le Blanc. Blanc. It'd be Blanc. Blanc? Yeah. Pretty sure it's Blanc. <clears throat> I could be wrong though. I never took French, so anyway. I did. In the sixth grade. It didn't go well. <laughs> All right, let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, a double major Adrian here from a Catholic university should know this answer. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me what was the old name for the Carmelites? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I mean, they're not Dominicans, so that's that's one thing I know that's not. Uh, so what is the old name for the Carmelites? You said the White Friars. I'm going to go with the Black Friars. Oof. 
I promised you, Kim, this would be the trickiest, <laughs> and I've held true to my word. Uh, so this is a tricky question. What was the old name for the old Carmelites? And uh, Adrian seems to think they're called the Black Friars. Rudy says they're called the White Friars. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Kim, what say you? I'm not sure, but I'm going to take a guess and say it's Rudy. Well, you were going two for two. Oh, you she didn't got it. Oh, sorry. Nothing. Oh, what the? That's the wrong button. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, yeah, the Black Friars are the Dominicans. Oh, Adrian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but French Connection, French Connection. Where did St. Simon Stock, who is the founder of the mm -hmm. modern mm -hmm. version of the Carmelites, where, was, where did he die? He died in France. He died in France. He was born there in England. Go. He became a Carmel in Jerusalem, and then he died in France. There you go, Bordeaux. Yeah, received the brown scapular from Our Lady. Praise be to God. A lot of French Connections today. All right. The Sounds like French a restaurant. Connection. Have you seen the French Connection? Kim, you've seen the French Is Connection, right? No. Kim, you've seen the French Connection, right? Yes. Yeah, see? I'm glad not to be the only it's person in the room that up. knows all these great made up. references. Kim, God love you. You're in for three. Perfect score. Well done. We had fun. Thanks for laughing with us. Thank you. Have a great have day. A rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Praise be to Jesus. We'll put you on hold. Let it, uh, Rudy get your phone number. But... Uh, that is going to do it for the radio side of our show. It's always fun having a laugh during the game show. We enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Thank you guys for playing along with us. And we hope and pray that you will have a great day today. If you can and are able to join us in the after show, we encourage you to do so on one of our live video feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We're on odyssey.com. We're also on Rumble. We're, on, uh, we're everywhere. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt you can also also watch live there or get a link to one of those other streams where you might comment and steer our conversation but don't forget to get your car raffle tickets go to grnonline.com to purchase them today god love you thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Tuesday of the second week in Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, evermore his praises sing. Alleluia, Alleluia, praise the everlasting King. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and, and you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christ eleison. Christ eleison. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, who govern all things both in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the pleading of your people and bestow your peace on our times. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first book of Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve for Saul, whom I have rejected as king of Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have chosen my king from among his sons. But Samuel replied, How can I go? Saul will hear of it and kill me. To this the Lord answered, Take a heifer along and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I myself will tell you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I point out to you. Samuel did as the Lord had commanded him. When he entered Bethlehem, the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and inquired, Is your visit peaceful, O seer? He replied, Yes, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. So cleanse yourselves and join me today for the banquet. He also had Jesse and his sons cleanse themselves and invited them to the sacrifice. As they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not judge from his appearance or from his lofty stature because I have rejected him. Not as man sees, does God see, because he sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and presented him before Samuel, who said, The Lord has not chosen him. Next, Jesse presented Shammah, but Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. 
In the same way, Jesse presented seven sons before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any one of these. Then Samuel asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Jesse replied, There is still the youngest who is tending the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send for him. We will not begin the sacrificial banquet until he arrives here. Jesse sent and had the young man brought to them. He was ruddy, a youth handsome to behold, and making a splendid appearance. The Lord said, There, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel, with the horn of oil in hand, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord rushed <coughs> upon David. When Samuel took his leave, he went to Ramah. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have found David, my servant. I have found David, my servant. Once you spoke in a vision, and to your faithful ones you said, On a champion I have placed my crown. Over the people I have set a youth. I have found David, my servant. I have found David, my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him, that my hand may be always with him, and that my arm may make him strong. I have found David, my servant. He shall say of me, You are my father, my God, the rock, my savior, and I will make him the firstborn, highest of the kings of the earth. I have found David, my servant. Alleluia, 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 May the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that we may know the what is the hope that belongs to our call. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord. As Jesus was passing through a field of grain on the Sabbath, his disciples began to make a path while picking the heads of grain. At this the Pharisee said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need, and he and his companions were hungry? How he went into the house of God when Abiathar was high priest, and ate the bread of offering that only the priests could lawfully eat? and shared it with his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is why the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. morning's gospel has the beautiful conclusion from Jesus where he says the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. 
It's a beautiful line, I think, because it really is a reminder to us to, in a certain way, mind our place and to remember our creatureliness and to remember that God is God and not to kind of flip the order and, in a way, make ourselves God and make God into a human being whom we can kind of boss around. You know, I sometimes think for us today, of course, keeping the Sabbath is all about uh, worshiping God, being able to come to Mass, having a day of rest in the Lord, a day to be recreated in the Lord and to be reminded of God's act of creation. But even now for us, sometimes it can be easy to kind of turn the tables and sort of take an attitude to say that, you know, God needs to be seeing us in church and he's got a need for us to be there and that perhaps even God is keeping attendance up there in heaven and saying, oh, look who showed up today in the third row of the church and who made it in, and let's all give a celebration that they came today. And we can treat Sunday Mass even as a kind of obligation and a duty as opposed to saying, this is actually something far from what God needs, but it's actually what we as human being needs, that we were the ones who were created to worship him and we are the ones who are made by him and therefore we find our purpose and destiny in life by discovering what it is that God has made us for. Whereas in the world we live in today we know it is all too easy to kind of turn the tables and either kind of try to put God into a box and say Lord we'll allow you to work in our life in this way but not in that way or to ascribe to ourselves uh, certain powers which quite frankly don't belong to us and there we can think of any number of bioethical issues where we human beings have made ourselves into God and play around and toy with human life and different things as if we were God. In other words the message is we need to learn to let God be God and we need to be us who are creatures. Today's first reading in a way has a similar message we can see Samuel kind of having all sorts of questions when God says to go out and find his anointed that he has rejected Saul as king and Samuel is to go to the family of Jesse and Samuel's reaction at first of course is one of fear to say well hold on a second here God Saul is still king isn't he going to try to kill me if I'm going around trying to anoint somebody new <clears throat> then similarly when the sons of Jesse are presented in Samuel's way of thinking, he immediately thinks, oh, this must be the one here. He looks like he's got the right fit and the right shape. And of course, he's wrong at every turn. And it isn't until he gets to the youngest one, David, that he finds out there is where the Lord's anointed is. <clears throat> and it's the same kind of idea. You know, Samuel needs to mind his place. He has his role to play. And God is the one who has chosen who his next anointed is going to be in David. And Samuel's role is to follow the will of God but to not try and force it or not try to invent it. And I think for us it's a similar message in life you know to remember that uh, we're here to worship God this morning we are here in our relationship with God to pray to him uh, not because God needs us but because we need him and when we don't give God the first place in life then our priorities wind up becoming inverted and all sorts of chaos is likely to ensue at that point and all sorts of disorder occurs within one's own life when we forget to give God that primary place and when we forget to let God be God and when we forget to play our role as human beings. And so my brothers and sisters as we go forward today 
Let us ask God for the grace that we would always be grateful for the gift to be able to worship him, that we would always be happy to give God the first place in our life, to order our lives uh, toward him, and to know that even in the act of doing so, it really is God's gift to us to be able to do it and to be able to experience the peace that comes from having a rightly ordered life in the Lord and from having a life which truly gives to God primacy of place. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and worship, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops, that they would be guided by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit in their decisions. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders, that they would be inspired to enact just laws that safeguard the dignity of human life at every stage and promote the natural law of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayers, for all those joining us online and through radio, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our hearts. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Praise to the holiest in the height and in the depth be praise in all his words most wonderful most sure in all his ways O loving wisdom of our god when all was sin and shame a second Adam to the fight and to the rescue came. O wisest love, that flesh and blood which did in Adam fail should strive afresh against the foe should strive and should prevail. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Grant us, O Lord, we pray, that we may participate worthily in these mysteries. For whenever the memorial of this sacrifice is celebrated, the work of our redemption is accomplished through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation. 
always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord, his death we celebrate in love, his resurrection we confess with living faith, and his coming in glory we await with unwavering hope. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Clenisunce Lieterra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. 
At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other a sign of peace. On you stay, qui tolis peccat amuni, miserere nobis. On you stay, Quitolis peccat hamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, quitolis peccat hamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Lord, I am not worthy that Thou shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive Thee. The bridegroom of my soul, 
No more by sin to grieve thee, or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, unworthy though I be, prepare me to receive him and trust the word to me increase my faith dear jesus in thy real presence here and make me feel most deeply that thou to me art near my hope in thee now strengthen o savior of my soul lest by temptation blinded i turn from my true call Let us pray. Pour on us, O Lord, the spirit of your love, and in your kindness make those you have nourished by this one heavenly bread, one in mind and heart, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty the King of creation. O my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. Join the great throng, psaltery, organ, and song, sounding in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord, who are all things so wondrously reigneth, who as on wings of an eagle The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, Saint Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Is a co 